Elegant Searchin is an eldritch audio drama written, produced, and presented by Studio Swoon as part of the Greater Swoon Craft Creative. It would mean a lot if you shared or supported us. Head over to elegantseerchin.xyz if you're so inclined. And before the program starts, if you think that your immortality is measured by never-ending, then what happens to your immortality when the universe reaches its heat death? This fact of fate and logic should not dissuade anyone from living as long as possible, but to be aware of the limitations of our universe. Hey, you, listening, thanks, and enjoy. Translucent flesh of intelligent things are told to meander this expanse of starberry shrubs on the lucid plains. Piley says they struggle to breathe. Which is odd to me. The openness of the valley keeps miasma from really settling. But the truly strange thing about this bay is the subtle difference of the fire season itself. It feels like the entire day is just a seventh off from the smogs rolling in. Like evenings last all day. And that there's such low light through the pastel red and orange sky. Yule was the first to mention it, but something greater about Lunatha had been bothering me, and her words really sunk in. I just don't feel like I'm fully awake. And I knew exactly what she meant even after our stay in Nertel. The hollow of Dayren was pleasant, cozy. All gratitude goes to Piley, but the morning was so dim. It was almost as if we had woken up in a completely different area of the world. Don't get me wrong, listeners. Coven and others around our tangerine speck alike. The fire season has these days in the cove. Piley said it stays like this all season long, but as far as she's aware, it doesn't get as awfully hot. Like the heat we were beginning to endure on the plains before reaching the last rail. I... I would take the heat over this strange, ominous feeling. The feeling itself is like, well, like I mentioned, that we don't feel fully awake, and that dreaminess isn't entirely a new thing. I can trace it back to the blue fields, the very borders of this bay. No, I, I shouldn't fool myself. Uh, but... It, it's different. Wait, hang on. No, none of you are mind readers from the distance my portable bastion can cast to, so, um... We haven't slept wholly sound since the collapse of the Hotel Crepuscular. I think Yule and I are really starting to feel the effects of the, the weight of this strange trail we're treading. How do you sleep? when someone you wanted to know better, to watch do their favorite thing at their immeasurable skill level, to... to want to have seen her smile a few more times. I'm beg-sucking at the end of my wits, and yet, even though we're so far across the curve, we've come too far. If I can't sleep sweetly, I can still make something of this trip, because... Piley believes in Yule and myself. In Yule. She's cut off and we know that the Eldritch are going to reprimand her, but what can be done? 
You'll... You'll didn't feel like her words really reached me because she reiterated, Faye, since the escape, the, the boom, I... I felt like I'm missing a part of myself. I watched Yule. Maybe I didn't know what she meant. I thought it had to do with her runes, but that was before then. I think she took me shying away from the conversation to heart. I get the feeling that Piley is among you listeners. Or maybe used to be. I don't exactly know how far I cast on the tail end of this humble ripple. Since Heather still tunes in, I can only guess that this little bastion is far more powerful than I could have ever thought. Piley's crazy. Whatever it is that I do is far too dangerous to attempt to control. Right? You know, listeners, I really feel like there's something to the process of becoming an elder. Maybe it stunts us. Maybe it refines us. Will Yule stop harvesting the essence of lesser intelligent things if she becomes an elder? Or would she grow into that? Does the Lady of the Tendrils, that Anzio who first tried to stick me, does she or did she have something special about her? I know Grandmom has some sort of sight that I don't necessarily see in other elders. There's something about the universe that calls to her and shows her how to carve into things. It's why her sculptures are infinitely beautiful and worth far more than half a century promissory notes. It's part of why her trarp is the best. The cut matters just as much as the flash roasting process. If she had the ability to grow that as an urchin, I don't doubt that she'd have seen far more. While I'm wildly speculating, let me add on one last thing. Maybe the uncles exist to note which of us have particularly strong abilities. And if the number of uncles we go through indicates just how strong we are, that means that you'll Heather, myself, even Sina had something going on. What could be special about Heather and Sina that I, a, a pretty decent observer, couldn't have figured out? A pale thing with invisible flesh slapped, swirled, and slipped towards us. Its lengthy feelers thrown forward without care to yank itself forward. I think it was a promlop, but... I had never heard of them having see-through flesh. It didn't appear to have muscles. The, the milky mass within it, it was fractured with what I could only imagine to be nerves and vessels, but in being see-through, it thoroughly shared its, its dangers. Its flopping feelers were spined from pit to pulp, and the beak beneath its girth was like a toothed blade. Yule and I moved back, looking to Piley. I'm not sure why I followed Yule's gaze. I know that promlops are nothing to bask in the smogs at, but compared to most other terrors, they're pretty slow. It's probably because I was incredibly disturbed by seeing its small brain and cords of nerves connecting to the back of its beady pitch eyes. 
pilot didn't back off, she actually stepped forward, planting a foot on a feeler. Deftly, she grabbed the other as it was thrown at her. The spines on the spade wriggled, attempting to push just a little further out like it might reach Pylee's flesh with a few more millimeters. Our strange-tongued friend yanked on the feeler, snapping it off with a sickening pop. The terror curdled and screeched something repulsive. The inky blue blood of the thing sprayed. Pylee reached through the wispy clouds, picking up the bulk of the promlop. Its other feeler snapping off as its transparent flesh gave way. In a feeble and dying attempt as the horror bled out, its razor-like maw snapped, but our lunatic held it by the back of its mass. When it at last stopped snapping, Pylee stood. The blue blood and pitch ink of the terror had splattered in her hair and down her form. Her eyes found us. As the oily liquids of the promlop dripped off her, I shivered. I was told afterwards that Yule had been with me all through the smogs. She said it wasn't the bloodsucker that caused me to faint. It was the horror of what came out of my leg when Diren cut it open to prepare the slug. She wouldn't elaborate, and I couldn't remember. It was just like this, this dark spot in my memory. But I could hear in her voice that it wasn't simply a large amount of pus. I don't remember because Diren had given me a hallucinogenic. All I remember seeing is a kaleidoscope of oranges and shadows, some kind of terror with an elongated snout that I'd never seen, and eyes. Lots of eyes. Faye, Fable, come on, wake up, Faye. I'm... I am. Yule pulled at me from where I had been placed to sleep on the ceiling. The thing attached to me groaned and writhed under my weight, but kept my balance as I needed. I almost felt it, like its threads in my skin connected with my nerves. I want to be upfront with you. Pylee sat on the wall. I know you're not trusting after the dukes and, and your loss, so I'll be up front now that we've got the chance to catch our breath. Fable, I want to help you with the things going on with you. And Yule, I'd like your help preparing for the trial of the tendrils. I felt Yule shake, her breath repeating fast on my back. Yeah, fine. I don't know if it was intentional, but she drifted us down to the floor just a little faster, as if to get out of the line of Pylee's words. But I was quiet and still. How could this lunatic in the dusk of her urchinhood help I me saw with the chunks of the captain collapse to the ground in the back of my mind, and the whispering echoes of words from long ago. At what cost? At what cost? Ah, I understand your apprehension after all the weathering you've been through. Pylee drifted close to Yule and me. Just your help preparing the proffer for the trials is all I'm talking. It shouldn't be a job done alone. Thinking back on it, the hallucinogenic could have been disastrous. There's an estuary that sort of divides the three locations of Lunatha. It's a slurry of mud and rivulets, of moss oozing down the shallow slope of the valley, slowly depositing the sex to the gulf. 
It's not so deep that we can't float over it, but the smell... Rotting olives and fungus from the undesired crevices of the eldritch is how I'd describe it. But all across the lucid plains is farmland. Some utilize the estuaries, others have plots that lack the muck of the estuary. It appeared that most of the farmland was mushrooms, auger, cane, and hexcorn. Piley spoke of how these lands used to not be fertile at all. Alchemists and scientists alike over a millennia couldn't get the soil to bear fruit. Once the smog started thinning, seeds took root. It's no easy matter yet, but all toll works hard for what they produce. I know that a lot of the land across our tangerine speck is fetid, so the story wasn't exactly unheard of, but it did make me wonder just what a positive change for us is. Elder Ferrazine was obviously able to grow her microbes, and for how viscous her molasses was, I can only imagine how large her acreage had to have been. Rivo and beyond had so much dead land, not to mention the wastes and the lunar plains being barren besides all the monoliths. It's only past the moon that you find life again. Maybe the wastes and the lunar plains is where the first of the eldritch touched down, their alien existence permeating the lands, strangling what once lived there. Yule was up before the smogs rolled out. She had learned a bit from Pylea and myself about impromptu meals, with the scarce rations we've been spooling out and buffering that with what we can find to eat from the surroundings. What she had in a little pot smelled pretty good, just a little sweet with a hint of sour. What was strange was that she was shaking just a little. It wasn't cold during the darkness of the smogs that night in the fire season. Uh, good after smogs. She smiled weakly when she noticed me getting up. I greeted her and slowly shifted my entire bedroll over with me to be near the small fire and what she was cooking. It's a starberry with some molasses that Piley bought. I gathered some random plants and checked your notes about edible stuff before using any of them. It smells like rose lemon. Yeah, her eyes twinkled, but she didn't say anything for a long while. I let the silence sit as I began rummaging for a fist of punch. I got the straw in and had my first suckle. It was one of the real zingers, either knocks you out or wakes you up, you know? I learned from my mother, Yule stirred the hot container. She never told me exactly how to, I, I just learned from watching her. Well, she, she had a lot of smogs dealings and would always come back to hollow sleepless and kind of smog-brained. So this was her remedy and it always looked like it worked. It woke her up and cleared the miasma from her mind. I slowly suckled and watched Yule. I wondered if she was trying to fight off the maddening disconnection from the Eldritch, being short the runes required. Before I joined you, my maddest father sat down with me, the first time he'd really spoken to me all violet season. 
He said he wouldn't stop me, that a lot of urchins get wild ideas and antsy needs to go follow their stream of fate. He wasn't happy when I showed him the route and how far and long we were going for. <laughs> but he gave in, obviously. <laughs> he was a little ominous, though. He really doubted if you or Cena could be trusted. I, I'm sure you can imagine he had no faith in the ducks. I grimaced. Sorry, Faye, but you knew that there was something weird with him appearing and helping you get the idea to go. That hurt, but I didn't say anything. I just watched as her portions of ingredients slowly began to form a thick foam. Then it clicked. This must be something similar to what Elder Duren had served us. Just a more powerful kind, if it's supposed to knock the miasma from your mind. I... Yule turned her head away from me. I'm sorry. I really... Thanks, Yule. <laughs> I'm just worried that you're getting so full of hope when... There's so little to really hope for. I... I'm afraid you'll get hurt chasing these... your ideals. I shifted my now healing leg. It nearly ached, but not in a lasting pain sort of way. And I did feel a twinge of the healing itch now that I was waking up. The creature seemed to still slumber. The pull and strain of my muscles, no concern of its. It was going wherever I was anyway. Since... Crepuscular? And the pet shop. I I'm more worried about you. I thought back to the darkness and the thousands of twinkling eyes and how desperately Enzo fought to save me. I think I've got something helping me. Yule nodded, silence stretched. The faint glow of the hearth with the dim light of the running smogs gave her marble skin a glowing hazy blue and red aura. For some reason, I thought of the tendrils and the eldritch priests, and where purple coalesced, I thought of a hollow that was only an eldritch jaunt over the curve. The smogs were coming. Our next hollow ship was less than a day away. We scavenged food, used the flash-frozen ruck flank that the medicine elder had graciously offered to us. Highly let me do the bulk of the cooking. Meanwhile, she explained the trichotomy of Lunatha, Nertel, Altol, and the Spires. As you may have gathered from previous casts, Nertel is rich with time, the launch being such an important hub for trading, and that wealth going directly to the hollow ship that cultivated and attends to it. It's been working like a perfectly timed machine for many millennia. And in those millennia, there have been many tinkerers and alchemists, much like Elder Duren. While there have been kinships made by discoveries that shield us against UV and rebreathers that alleviate smog lung, there are darker things that have been discovered. Sunshine, as Piley describes, was originally made to replace the need for runes or smog lines to connect with the Eldritch. The effect is so real that for several hundred years, the upper caste of Nertel used it exclusively, 
only to find out that none of them were actually in contact with the higher horrors of our tangerine speck, all of whom were almost completely eradicated for what was perceived as refusal of their duties when the old gods turned their gaze and found Nertel lacking. Millennia prior, Altol, had attempted by jaunt what Nertel had accomplished by Mooney Moss. The despicable surrounding flora and fauna of Lunatha never relenting to a thoroughfare or rail. Every time some dramatic event would absolve those working on the paths of their lives, leading the hollow ship with less and less able-bodied elders to put in the time required to even live. All the hundreds of years Nertel had practiced sunshine, all told, had begun taking the scraps of time and shine that would fall to the wayside. Nertel began dealing with its addiction. The producers of sunshine, losing their market, began shifting to more traditional salves and ointments. The market hadn't completely gone away though, and some of the more nefarious makers of shine found a niche sucking away the last remains of the struggling hollow ship. The spires never officially rebuked the creation and trade of sunshine, but like anything in our heartless world, would see some of the return from the shady practice leading to the lasting decay of a third of Lunatha. The lucid fields are filled with starberry bushes for most of what the eye can see. Fields of starberries are these magical places us coven urchins are told once or twice about, and then we forget about them. Seeing them firsthand was a disenchanting moment. It's just some farm hollows that had a similar pale blue theme that was similar to Nertel, and the fields of silvery shrubbery dotted with purple, pink, and red fruits. It was pretty, but... Piley said we weren't allowed to take any. It made sense. Taking any was lowly thievery. She explained how there were rune lines that kept most things up to a certain cerebral capacity out. Only the random eight-legged cat would make it beyond the barriers during the violet seasons. They don't eat the fruits, of course. They're after the urchin and Duke's picking crop, tired and focused on their work in the dark season. Yule stopped to inspect one of the bushes. A particularly bright salmon-colored bunch caught her eye. Aren't they already ripe? Aye, but starberries are better if they age on the branch. Piley stooped down to look at the berries. They usually take a few seasons to get to be this bright, but regardless, you can eat the seeds, the leaves, the young fruit, the old fruit. They can grow almost anywhere if, of course, Lunatha didn't have exclusive allowances to grow them. They're marvels left behind from before the glow and dawn. Piley continued on, explaining how the fields and farm hollows were set up to make sending the produce to the launch simple. Marvels. <laughs> yeah, just like eight-legged cats.